Hello, and welcome to Notes in the Week Ahead, a JP Morgan Asset Management podcast that provides insights on the markets and the economy to help you stay informed in the week ahead. Hello, this is David Kelly. I'm Chief Strategist here at JP Morgan Asset Management. Today's February 5th, 2024. I think of myself as a pretty punctual person. I get impatient when others are late. I don't give myself much time to spare when catching a flight. But sometimes, like when spending time with family, it's okay to run a little behind schedule. One month into 2024, the economic slowdown appears to be running behind schedule. Growth is stronger than expected, the labour market is tighter, and our forecast for inflation to hit 2% by the end of the year looks less certain. But for investors, it should be all good. Our 2024 forecast of 2% growth, zero recessions, inflation falling to 2% and the unemployment rate at around 4% is now looking a little bit more like 2 plus, 0, 2 plus, 4 minus, but it still rounds to 2024, leaving plenty of opportunity for long-term investors. At first glance, last Friday's jobs report might seem to upend our forecast altogether, with very strong gains in both payrolls and wages. However, a closer look at the labour market picture suggests further moderation ahead, delaying but not derailing the journey to 2% inflation. The January gain in non-farm payrolls at 353,000 was more than twice the consensus estimate of 170,000. However, this number may be somewhat distorted and the broader mosaic of the labour market points to strong but not super strong momentum. In particular, On a not-seasonally adjusted basis, January is always the weakest month of the year for payroll employment, with an average job loss of 2.827 million over the 10 years ending in 2023. 2024 saw a milder decline of 2.635 million jobs, which translated into a seasonally adjusted gain of 353,000. However, given potential distortions to seasonal patterns in the wake of the pandemic and the reluctance of firms to lay off hard-to-find workers in a tight labour market, this 353,000 gain may overstate job market momentum. That being said, most other job market indicators also point to strength. Employment, as measured by the Household Survey and adjusted for changes in population controls, rose by 239,000 in January. Job openings climbed from 8.925 million at the end of November to 9.026 million at the end of December, still very elevated relative to a pre-pandemic peak of under 7.6 million. A four-week moving average of initial unemployment claims remains very low at just over 200,000. January layoff announcements climbed to 82,307, according to Challenger, more than doubled the December number, but still down 20% from a year earlier. And... In the January Conference Board Consumer Confidence Survey, 45% of respondents characterised jobs as plentiful, compared to just 10% who said they were hard to get, the best ratio seen in 11 months. However, there are also some more subdued indicators. The average work week fell by two-tenths of an hour in January, to 33.1 hours, the lowest monthly reading apart from a short-lived pandemic collapse since 2010. The employment component of the January ISM Manufacturing Index indicated declining manufacturing jobs for fourth consecutive month. The NFIB January Jobs Report showed a decline in both job openings and hiring plans among small businesses. Unlike initial unemployment claims, continuing claims for unemployment benefits at 1.898 million have crept up in recent months. And people quitting a job, a sign of labour market strength, fell from 3.524 million in November to 3.392 million in December, now lower than in any month in 2019 before pandemic distortion set in. 
So stepping back and looking at the jobs mosaic as a whole suggests a very healthy labour market, not quite as booming as implied by the payroll jobs gain, but certainly strong enough to put downward rather than upward pressure on the unemployment rate that has been at or below 4% for 26 consecutive months, the longest such streak since the late 1960s. With unemployment now at 3.66%, it looks like it looks more likely to undershoot rather than overshoot the 4.1% rate the Fed is currently predicting for the end of the year. It should also be recognised that there is a strong lagged relationship between GDP growth and job growth. US real GDP grew by 4.9% annualised in the third quarter of last year and 3.3% in the fourth. Early data also suggests growth of between 2% and 3% for the first quarter, providing further impetus to job growth at the start of 2024. Overall, the evidence suggests that employment growth is still well above trend and could stay that way for some months to come. But how much is that boosting wages? The most widely followed wage series is the average hourly earnings of private sector workers, which had fallen from 5.9% year-over-year growth in March 2022 to 4.3% in October 2023. However, this stayed at 4.3% in both November and December and then bounced higher to 4.5% in January, posing the question of whether the downward trend is now stalling out. The honest answer is it's just too early to say. January data are hard to interpret because of unusually cold weather, changes to minimum wages, and seasonal adjustment. On the first issue, the survey week in January 2023 was unusually mild, while the same period in 2024 was unusually harsh. This can be measured by the number of people reporting that they had to work part-time rather than full-time because of bad weather, a statistic which was less than half average January levels in 2023, and more than double average January levels in 2024. We estimate that without this year-over-year swing in January weather conditions, year-over-year wage growth would have been 4.42% rather than 4.48%. In addition, in January 2024, 22 states implemented increases in their state minimum wage. While this effect has often been seen in recent years, the 2024 increases were particularly large. The Economic Policy Institute estimates that this increased wages by 43 cents for roughly 9.9 million workers nationwide. This could have directly added almost 3 cents to average hourly earnings, and likely more indirectly, as those paid just above minimum wage levels may also have seen associated increases to keep them above entry-level wages. Finally, it's worth noting that while seasonally adjusted average hourly earnings were up 4.48% year-over-year in January, the not-seasonally adjusted measure was up by just 3.89%. While this rather dramatic change in seasonal adjustment factors may be justified by the fact that January 12th fell on a Friday in 2024 and a Thursday in 2023, As in the case with employment estimates, changing seasonal patterns could well undermine the accuracy of these seasonal adjustments. Given these distortions, it is too early to say whether the wage growth slide has stalled out. For now, however, it is obviously a positive thing for workers, with real wages rising year over year for nine consecutive months. Stronger than expected economic growth is also positive. However, for the Federal Reserve, the question is whether this strength in wages could derail the slide in consumer inflation. Overall, the answer appears to be no. First, it's worth noting that total compensation costs aren't rising quite as fast as wages. In the private sector, wages account for roughly 70% of compensation costs, while benefits account for the other 30%. However, as shown in last week's Employment Cost Index, while private sector wages rose by 4.3% year-over-year in the fourth quarter of 2023, benefits rose just 3.6%, holding the increase in total compensation to 4.1%. Second, productivity has been booming recently. In particular, output per hour in the non-farm business sector rose by 2.7% year-over-year in the fourth quarter, far above its average of 1.2% in the decade before the pandemic. 
We do expect productivity growth to slow somewhat. However, our current combination of strong demand growth and very tight labor markets is an ideal environment for producing above-trend productivity growth. And should be emphasized that in equilibrium, compensation should be able to grow at a pace equal to the sum of consumer inflation and productivity growth. Third, it is possible that some firms will absorb rising input costs through narrower profit margins rather than rising output prices. This, of course, is not a great outcome for investors, and it remains important for investors to distinguish those firms that are good at maintaining or growing margins from those that are not. That being said, profit margins do provide a further buffer between rising compensation costs and rising consumer inflation. Finally, there are special factors that could allow consumer inflation to drift down in 2024, even as compensation costs rise. In particular, over 80% of the year-over-year growth in CPI inflation in December came from gains of roughly 6.5% in rent and owners' equivalent rent, and over 20% in auto insurance. These increases are very likely to slide sharply in the year ahead, imparting a strong negative impulse onto consumer inflation. Indeed, it's quite possible that both headline and core inflation, as measured by both CPI and PCE deflators, will fall below 2% year-over-year year in 2024, even with a continued tight labour market and only slowly moderating wage gains. But if the data in the next few months show a slightly slower inflation slide, it shouldn't prevent the Federal Reserve from slowly easing policy or investors from finding long-term investment opportunities in stocks, bonds and alternatives. If the excuse for a slight delay in getting to 2% inflation is stronger growth and a more meaningful improvement in worker living standards, it's okay to run a little behind schedule. Well, that's it for this week. Please tune in again next week. And if you have any questions in the meantime, please reach out to your J.P. Morgan representative. This content is intended for information only based on assumptions in current market conditions and are subject to change. No warranty of accuracy is given. This content does not contain sufficient information to support investment decisions. It is not to be construed as research, legal, regulatory, tax, accounting, or investment advice. Investments involve risks. Investors should seek professional advice or make an independent evaluation before investing. The value of investments and the income from them may fluctuate, including loss of capital. Past performance and yield are not indicative of current or future results. Forecasts and estimates may or may not come to pass. J.P. Morgan Asset Management is the asset management business of J.P. Morgan Chase & Company and its affiliates worldwide.